Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast. My name is Sean Anderson, and I'm here with my always lovely and amazing co-host, Stephen Reyes. Hello, Stephen. How are you doing? Doing a lot better than a lot of people in this movie. You're dang right about that. And the movie we're talking about today is 25th Hour, a movie by Spike Lee, made in 2002. So it's 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 a good one. Written by uh, one of the, I think, co-creators of Game of Thrones, uh, based on his own novel. Um which I think didn't really, uh, the, the novel was written before 9-11, which is very much a uh, backdrop to this, to this movie. So they mm-hmm. had to, uh, a lot of the story didn't happen in the source material the way it happened. So I think that's an interesting point uh, to consider when watching it, because there, this movie is very much uh, of its time and place, early 2000s, New York City. It's got a great feel to it. And and there's a lot to talk about in this one. There's a lot that happens. So, well, I guess we should just get to talking about it. So let's do that. Uh, you are listening to more movies, please. <laughs> Speaking of punks, I was a little dumb, dumbfounded with this movie. No, you're going to leave this in? You son of a bitch. Don't, don't, don't start the show like that. <laughs> now who's the punk? You're the punk. I've always been a punk. Yeah. Yeah, you have been. Just like, uh, just like Monty Brogan. Is mm. he a punk? I don't know. I lo- okay. You know what? I would say he, he is definitely a punk, but uh, maybe a punk who's seen the error of his ways and, and, you know, Unfortunately, it took like a seven year prison sentence to to get him to to wake the hell up. But I mean, dude, was what dealing in drugs and large sums of money. So I think that qualifies as uh, uh, that that inducts you into the the uh, punk family, the punk family. So large amounts of drugs, large amounts of money, as you said, that in case anybody hasn't watched this film yet, we're going to give you the what. But quite frankly, if you don't know by now, we do spoilers. Maybe I don't know. I keep forgetting about this at the beginning of the show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you guys aren't listening, but you should always just expect this to be there. Spoilers. But anyway, so I, I this movie kind of jumped around for me okay. a lot, but in a good way. Jumped around, but in a good way. Can, can, you, can you tell me what that means for you, Stephen? Well, so it kind of threw me off at the beginning because you kind of have some... St- events happen you're like oh, okay so he already knows this is going to happen and then we're going back to see how it happened ish mm-hmm. yeah so it was chronological most of the time i yeah but- i do recall watching the, i didn't remember it either there are some flashbacks to like you said to give some context about the events that are happening uh you know uh money meet, meeting natural and that playground uh, uh them going back to when the dea agents uh, first stormed their their home and found the drugs and the money but there and was no agent was just a dick wasn't he though i mean he was he was mm-hmm. really like really uh, uh relishing like nailing this this drug dealer and mm-hmm. probably i mean like i i don't know that money he really has a leg to stand on he was dealing drugs or or moving drugs he was dealing with very bad people so he, you know, you want to be on Monty's side, but he was also doing really, really terrible things. And the punishment he received, I think you could debate whether or not uh, the the length or the severity of the punishment uh, uh, is equal to the crime. In this case, maybe it is. 
don't know. But anyway, on the one hand, it's very hard to side with Monty because of all that stuff he did. But on the other hand, yeah, that DEA agent was (laughs) maybe enjoying it a little too much. Well, yeah, he was just like, shit. Shit. I'm just like, I want to make that the subtitle for this one. Shit. He just did that all the time. time, right? Yeah. And to jump around that scene where he's interrogating him and he keeps on and he tells him, well, do you ever stop talking? Does he ever stop talking? Like just, he went like on that massive insult that was very uh-huh. homophobic as well. But this whole movie was definitely a part of its time. <sighs> early we'll, what? Uh, we'll, 2000, early 2002, I think. Yeah. Early 2002. But he was right of one thing. That cop just never shuts up. Never shuts up. I mean, I, I can't, I can't, I, I got to side with you there. That dude just like. He loves his job and he loves taking advantage of his position of power. So, you know, I guess nothing really has changed. But anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. He, 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 that actor was really enjoying that part because he was, he was chewing up the scenery whenever he was on. He was chewing it up more than the dog tried to chew up people's faces. <laughs> he really was. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> and as people have probably heard, we've all mentioned our dogs at some point and oh, we're yeah. dog lovers. So let's address the dog thing in the room or the, the dog at the beginning of the movie, the, the dog in the room. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That one, I, I really did not recall any of this movie except for like the very, uh, high level, like major plot points, you know, he got busted and he's going to prison. I did not remember, uh, how they found the dog Doyle. And I was mm. really worried that this, that I was going to see this dog die in the movie. And I, I began to think like, oh, damn, I know Steven is very much a dog lover. Uh, he's got his own lovely dog. Did I suggest like a terrible movie for him to watch a, a painful movie to, for him to watch? Is this going to so, be bad for me too? I don't know. So the first scene would have been painful to watch, but I understand what he was going to do originally. Yeah. Cause the dog looked like it was just on its last <laughs> poor Doyle, legs. right? Yeah. Mm hmm. Like it looked like it had lost a dog fight and they dumped it out of a moving car. Probably. I think you're exactly right about that. So him wanting to just shoot it to put it out of its misery, I would have been like, oh, but it made sense. Yeah. His reaction to the dog having fight. I don't think a lot of people would have had that. No, I hope I could have done something similar to what he did, but uh, I would probably have to be more patient. Yeah. Well, I, I think maybe your motivation around keeping him would have been a little different. It wouldn't be like, I like this dog because he bit me in the neck. But well, ah. he he liked it when really it just barked at him after he bit him. He was yeah, like, oh, true. even more spunk than I thought. <laughs> that's true. A little, a little love bite. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was it was a, it was a, I think a really good opening, though, too, I think, because you, you get introduced to Doyle, the lovely Doyle dog, and you, you mm-hmm. see Monty and you also see Kostya, his his uh, Ukrainian <laughs> friend who comes back in a big way later on. Um and maybe not in a way anyone wants to see. Uh, I don't know. He, he, he gets what's coming to him, I guess you could say. But and then it's a, yeah, it's a really good way to... I, I love that it's showing what Monty is involved with at that time in his, his younger days. Uh, I don't know. I guess a, a, at least before he got caught. How like overconfident and uh, full of himself he is. And also how like that this person isn't just this hard-hearted jerk face he actually like he he very well very well could have left the dog there he could have shot it he could have done whatever but he picked up that dog he he took it 
And then he went and got it help and adopted it for himself. And it really shows uh, the, the two sometimes conflicting sides of Monty, where he's just like this, this tough guy who doesn't care about anything. And this really sweet hearted person who doesn't want anything bad to happen to the people he loves. Oh yeah. And my, like one of my first two notes was I don't care whatever else he does in this movie. The fact that he saved the dog means I just like him period. I mean, yeah, (laughs) that was my impression for the rest of the movie. And fortunately, (laughs) other than the fact of how he made money and probably ruined a lot of people's lives with drugs. Yeah. He wasn't a hard character to like, like obviously there are worse characters in this. I think we don't want to endorse his lifestyle or his actions. (laughs) No, (laughs) but as for having a moral code or a moral code, I, I think he did. Cause it's like when you watch a mobster movie, when they say no women, no children, somebody fucks up, they take them out. Like, Nope, you're not supposed to touch the women or children. Like you can respect some mobsters for right. a little bit of standards. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. I think their standards are peculiar and in some ways really mm-hmm. skewed. Uh, <laughs> but because you know, I I agree. I don't want anybody to die. I certainly don't want women or children to die. I don't know. I I don't even know where I would go with that one. That's a whole conversation. But it's. I I think think I know where you. I think I'm with you. I'm on the same page. I think I know where you're going. It's just like there are some nice standards they have of this is a line we don't cross. But then when they throw somebody's husband in the river with cement (laughs) bricks, you're like, oh God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you didn't cross this line, but you like blew past another line. Like you can't even see that line in the rearview mirror anymore. Oh, forget seeing it. I, this blew through it and disintegrated it. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. It was like a, a, a back to the future DeLorean just setting on fire behind it. <laughs> it's uh, the, the, the morality is fluid there, I think, um, in, in some ways. But uh, I, I still agree with you. There is a certain sort of code. It's kind of a, a, a medieval code in some ways, but it's still there. So I guess that's respectable. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I feel it, conflicted it just, because I don't want to say I agree with Monty, but I don't disagree with him at the same time. So how about we just say that in regards to Monty, we respect how he treats his true friends and family. That's what, yeah, yeah. He says, uh, he, um, I think everybody attributes this to uh, Tom Waits, and he may have actually said it. But in that nightclub scene later on, as they're toasting everybody, he says, you know, uh, champagne for my real friends and real pain for my sham friends. And I'm like, yep, that completely encapsulates, that's, that's this character to a T. Like, he mm-hmm. will fight till his dying breath for the people he really cares about and for the people who are really worth it. But he will not hesitate to just do whatever he's got to do for well i don't know he did hesitate with costia later on because he didn't kill costia but he well, didn't yeah, save I don't him think from his um pers- from what, what we were seeing with his character development he didn't yeah. seem like somebody who actually like beat people he would just warn them and let the people he worked for be the enforcers so yeah. the fact that he had never shot a gun at somebody to go straight shoot somebody in the face i don't think it's something's gonna happen there are a lot of times where something started in the movie that i expected to happen and then it didn't so him shooting him i didn't see him doing that pistol whipping i expected maybe so i was a little disappointed sure not sure. in a violent thing just more of it had that set up i honestly thought that the um his boss his crime boss oh, uh, was giving him Uncle the gun Nikolai, to get his finger yeah, was giving him the gun to get the fingerprints, was going to kill his partner and be like, so if you ever rat on me, you're going to jail for murder and just like put it away. 
That's that's interesting. I I, I don't see why not. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I, I think uh, uh, what these from what I can tell from movies I've seen, what a lot of these mafia people, these mobsters also have in common is they've always got a backup plan. You know, it's it, they're they're always looking to to cover their own asses whenever they're doing anything terrible well they they said it was just like hey you're going to jail which obviously mean he means he didn't rat them out but if you ever crack your dad drives this the mileage is this the address of his bar like dude talk about some intimidation yeah just could have been like we know where your dad is we like him don't give us a reason not to like him i i i agree but i think uh i don't know money could have maybe brushed that off but if if you're giving him like here's here's the finest details of your father's life. I, I think as an intimidation tactic, that might do a little bit more than you, you better watch out. You better not cry. Uh, mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you better not pout cause I'm telling you why Christmas is two months away. But anyway, um, I, yeah, yeah. Should we, uh, you know, what? I don't know. Should we get into that right now? Because there's a lot that leads up to there, you know, so, like well you know what? We, we don't always go in chronological order which we can just for our own okay well i at least want to talk track. about like uh the the characters there because you know it's you got philip seymour hoffman and barry pepper uh you got rosario dawson mm-hmm. anna paquin and yeah they all end up in the club uh hoffman and pepper are, are uh edward norton's like lifelong childhood pals i guess or at least very good friends um and and anna paquin no, child, is, they're, they're childhood pals because i forget who he was saying to you, he's like, I've, we've known each other since we were three. If yeah. I make a promise to you, I'm going to do it. If I say I'm going to be there when you get out, I'm going to be there in seven years when you get out. And right. I've never like, you know, I'm going to be there. Mm-hmm. And you could see like this guy was the wall in wall Street, making money, like really confident. Like you could tell he really wanted to get out of what he used to be. Yet he's eating rice with his hands. <laughs> All right, that's berry pepper. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah, I found that scene, that scene between him and Philip Seymour Hoffman in the restaurant where he was eating with his hands, just really fascinating because that whole scene was just uh, uh, centered around Barry Pepper's like evaluation, like scoring of himself. You know, he's he's what do you say? He's like a, a 99 percent or something. He's 99, in the 99th percentile. He's in the 99th percentile of desirable men for women. Yeah. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is what, in the 60s or something, <laughs> which I, you know, uh, if Barry Pepper, to his credit, looks good in a suit, he's got that that like slicked back uh, uh, early, late 90s, early 2000s, like Wall Street hair, mm-hmm. uh, looks decent. But yeah, and then just like eating like a child, just handfuls of fried rice. Well, the funny thing is you could see him when he was trading stocks, bonds, whatever they were working on, uh-huh. that he's like hungry to be in a different league and like leave his past behind. Oh, Get those old habits from, I guess, that ghetto neighborhood he grew up in. Mm are hard to get rid of which Mm. his friend called him out on that's that's an interesting point i don't think i really put those two together i yeah i like that so you feel that he he would have to divorce himself from his past and and be that like i don't know use silverware for eating rice and just like be that that pressed and prim and proper person to make that advancement i i think so i think he was i think his desire to be so successful was from wanting to get out of the neighborhood he grew up in Mm. But I think the fact that he's still eating with his hands is his way of going, I'm leaving this behind. I'm better than this, but I can do whatever the f- I want. 
That's true. That's true. That and like he, yeah, I I agree. I think he he definitely wanted to uh, rise above his status from when he was young. Like he's got that fancy pants apartment across from the mm-hmm. World Trade Center site. Um, but he doesn't leave his friends behind. Like he's still friends with all of his old his old pals. So yeah, he wants to he wants to elevate himself, but. Um, like relationships like people still mean something to him i Which think he's got a I, great moral code too oh yeah no I, I i was impressed by that because the fact that i saw he wanted to advance himself so much mm-hmm. but then when he, he told his friend when you get out we'll start a bar we'll do whatever it is yeah. we'll work together to go back into the slums so to speak mm. that he, he had, was making so much success he was making so much success for himself but if his fans can't, if his friends can't come with him, he's not willing to leave them behind. That he'll go back to what he's trying to go away from just to have their back. So, Which, do you think? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that's admirable. Admirable. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think? Do you think he really likes what he does? Do you think he likes his job, his apartment, or do you think he? I don't know. Because the way the way you said all of that, and I think I agree with you, is that he he likes the money, but he would prefer to. He, he would be just as happy and maybe actually wants to have like the old life that he used to have. Maybe he, mm-hmm. he's seen like he has perspective now. He's got a lot of money. He's got a high powered job, but it's not fulfilling for him. But he feels stuck in a way. I, I think that he likes the money and he likes his new life. Mm-hmm. But if it's between choosing his new life and leaving his friends behind, yeah, he'll go. He'll stay with his friends. Friends every time. He, yeah. he, he'd prefer to have both. Like, I'm sure that because this is just not off topic, but off this current tangent, Mm -hmm. that one scene where he insults the like assistant that's in the striped shirt and the striped tie. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. That cracked me up because he did look like an optical illusion. He did. Yes. Those two things. Although I don't know that I don't know if I, I mean, I, the scene was funny. But for that character, really kind of that kind of rubs me the wrong way now that I think about it again, because, you know, he came from nothing. He came from, you know, the slums, as you say, Uh, Mm -hmm. he 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 understands all the work that it took to rise up to where he was. And yet he's just like walking over everybody else who's beneath him again. And kind of he he has that sort of relationship with Philip Seymour Hoffman, too, where they're friends. But it's clear that Barry Pepper like really believes that he's better than everybody else because he's got that fancy money because he's got, or he's got that fancy job and he's got the money and he's got the, you know, the the $200 haircut or whatever. He definitely thinks he's better than most people that, as you said, that first scene we see him, yeah, he's a straight up dick. And it kind of threw me for a loop because the last movie we saw him in was seven pounds where he was the best friend. Right. Super nice and emotional. Mm-hmm. And then this one, he's like, get the fuck out of my face. I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Talk Same haircut, whiplash. though. Same haircut. <laughs> right. Hey, you know, if it works for him, like stick with what you know works. It, well, that's why like it caught my attention because I felt like time hadn't really passed for him. So oh, yeah. he ages well, just to say that. He really does. I mean, hop on over to his IMDb page. His profile photo on there is just some black and white, like chiseled cheekbones goodness on that one. <laughs> But I, I, I think he's a fat, I, th- I think all of the characters in this one are fascinating. I think I wrote, um, like this movie is, there's not a lot that happens. There's not a lot of action. Like the, the tensest moment is when Monty, I think for me, when Monty goes down into Uncle Nikolai's 
like basement office and he's got a gun at his face the rest of the movie is just like uh, the movie is here to really just show off the the talents of the actors and i mm-hmm. think they really like spike lee cast the right people because damn they are like firing at top gear for this one it's on all cylinders yeah 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 i mean barry pepper is great he's he's really embodying that just like slimy uh like patrick bateman without all the murder sort of feel um (laughs) philip seymour hoffman is very much that uh uh uh, like introverted professor sort of person who uh just gets swept up by uh his his hormones uh into the the uh, wrong direction i think the majorly wrong direction but we're not there yet we're not there yet and and like monty is there to show like consequences of actions and mm-hmm. it's it's killing him to to have to deal with those actions. I I think it's just a great character study and not necessarily an actiony film, which isn't a bad thing. No, no, it's not a bad thing that it didn't have action like the moments it did, which was the police invading the place wasn't much action. The scene where yeah. he has the gun in his face, I feel like they did that one to an extreme to show like this whole time talking about his criminal life and. The different things he's been doing and it just seems like not scary at all because yeah. everything is so easy going and then you finally have and like every time his partner was saying so-and-so wants to see you i'll see them when i see them <laughs> it wasn't until he was in that room and you're like wow you should not have been treating them like that <laughs> yeah you know i uh you said it didn't really feel scary but in some ways i think for me at least it really did feel scary because i this I mean, it's, it's a movie, clearly, but I think it was made with the intention of, of feeling as real as possible. So mm-hmm. when Monty was in that basement, I was like, I, I got, I found myself feeling tense again because I knew how it was going to end. But for a second there, I'm like, wait, is Monty going to get shot in the face? Because there's a great, there's a huge, mis, a huge miscommunication happening. And this, this mafia guy seems like really unhinged and really ready to fly at the handle at any moment you know, the, that that scene was definitely intense i just went up until that point everything else just uh, okay. seemed pretty mellow uh, yeah yeah you're right it very much is it's it's just a bunch of people talking in rooms for a while talking and lots of dolly shots very much that, yeah that spike lee moment was done <laughs> quite often which you know how much i love that dolly shot and I, at first i thought like okay cool here it is and then it happened again i'm like oh again and then a, yeah. a, i think a third time and i thought i wasn't get tired yeah. of it but nope they used it just right each mm-hmm. time so it wasn't overdone it was perfect to amplify those moments yeah from, from i haven't seen all of spike lee's movies i haven't seen enough of his early movies I've seen do the right thing and all that um uh, uh uh but i feel like his later movies he's really refined that dolly shot and he's using it more purposefully um mm-hmm. like here it was anna paquin uh being dollied through like out of that dance floor and into the bar and she's sweaty and and just like grooving to the music high on ecstasy um and then the next time you see it is when philip seymour hoffman is being dollied out of the bathroom that he kissed her in and you could tell you could see in his eyes he's just like Got that thousand yard stare. He's just thinking like, what the hell did I just do? And it really, I love those two moments being put up next to each other mm-hmm. because I, th- I think it really uh, well, see, they accentuates the, the emotions they're feeling. Exactly. They used it a lot. Like when they first walked into the bar, I kind of found it odd, like it worked. Mm-hmm. But normally when you're floating in out of a bar, that's how you feel like just kind of everything's a blur. But going into it, I was just like huh but you haven't even gotten in yet so that threw me off but i see that it was more of like this is my last time with these people this is right. gonna go by quickly Feeling 
like elated. You want to enjoy the moment. You're feeling mm-hmm. like everything feels like more charged and meaningful. Yeah. But since you brought up the jailbait, I'd yeah. like to address the jailbait situation because there was two times that they mentioned some form of jailbait. Two, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because there's there's uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Anna Paquin, which is sort of the, like the, the really obvious one. That's oh, yeah, that was like that was the biggest a one. Third of the story in this film. But then like Monty met Natural when she was 17 in a in, in a like a park playground of all places but i feel like he wasn't that much older than her though oh really uh, yeah. i i hope not i mean i hope not either but because either I way feel like when he was he was definitely older than she was and she was 17 well when her friend was like hey i know you used to play ball with my brother i'm thinking oh he was a couple years ahead of them and graduated so just a few years yeah 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 like, yeah, at, yeah at, i think you're right at least no more than junior high gap right. between senior and junior high true yeah i would agree with that certainly like the age gap between those two uh so much less significant than the one between phyllis seymour hoppin and anna Paquin, where she's 17 and mm-hmm. he's i don't know uh well i they like monty was 31 at this point i wrote that in the notes but i so presumably he was in his early 30s yes so more than a decade's worth of of age difference uh, significantly uh-huh. different and uh in that case i don't know i i don't know if you want to i don't think there's a way to like quantify uh uh, uh severity of jailbait offenses but <laughs> in a lot of ways i think and maybe you were possibly suggesting it the philip seymour hoffman relationship was just seemed way worse it, it was way worse because he was the teacher she was the ch- student so he was they both saw each damage. other in different lights yeah that's a good point i want to talk about that you keep going yeah but monty and uh i i I got this i got this thank you natural were in similar mindsets like they might not have been both legally adults at the time but they were in similar mindsets and close enough that it was like probably a 24 year old hitting on the 17 year old not great but not as huge of a gap as it could have been and they were both just like hey we're here in the park but the teacher student thing, especially like he resisted. Like at first I was impressed cause she was mm-hmm. hitting on him and I had a note over. He's like, I give a shit. Like putting his hands yeah. up, like don't touch me. So right. there we'll go back to the, um, jailbait thing, but there's only two movies where I've seen a girl try to feel up a guy where the guy was like, no, 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 no. This and yeah, super. The other one. Super. Oh, okay. Oh goodness. We'll have to put uh-huh. that one on on the list where i haven't um, seen that one forever oh yeah where he he actually gets taken advantage of <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was an uncomfortable scene i remember that one oof ellen page yeah, was that, that all over rain wilson there yeah that one was a unique one but we were talking about the age differences and you had an idea uh perspective you want to add well i want i wanted to get your perspective on uh on this the the moment between uh these two characters so uh anna paquin gets dollied into the bar area and starts like really really putting you know flirting with uh philip seymour hoffman and it's like Mm -hmm. climbing all over him like trying to she had put his hands on her breast yeah pretty much pretty much yeah Uh, you know had his his hat on and everything it was it was very they she was trying to be very comfortable with him to say the least and he he resisted and you know she goes upstairs had like uh, an amazing like uh blocking uh moment there with with that shot where Mm -hmm. the camera follows her upstairs then the camera follows uh like a waitress downstairs and you see him standing just like staring up at the bathroom door and you can yeah. see that's you know an idea going through his head and you're thinking don't do it man 
don't do it. But he does it and the camera follows him back up again. And he ends up in the bathroom and it gets really quiet between them. And he ends up, he, you know, he goes in and kisses her. Her reaction is clearly, I mean, I think he feels both like, oh God, what did I do? But also, what is she doing? I thought she wanted this too. And she, it didn't look like she reciprocated the kiss at all. Okay, so we're touching on a very thin ice area, but we're going to make it across. Okay. So her reaction was mortified. I give you that. But you are bringing up the age old argument that people are like, it doesn't matter. She was essentially saying, I I miss you. It'll make sense in a second. Okay. Her actions were kind of giving the the impression that she wanted it, which if you hear that phrase, it doesn't matter when no means no kind of thing. No. Like if you dress like that, you want it. No, it doesn't matter. But her actions made it seem like she was interested in what was going to happen. So like when he went up. Right. I expected him to knock on the door and then start to walk away and her to pull him in and then they do something. Yeah, that's kind of how it's playing out. Yeah. But then, as you said, he walked in, he kisses her. She did not react did not kiss him back and was just like mortified. So I think she wanted to mess with him, not that she wanted to hook up with him because she saw him like as a stuffy old teacher who thinks she's hot, but would never do anything and just has no game kind of thing. And he's just wanted to see how much she could freak him out. And then it was just like, oh crap that backfired right yeah yeah like that's why i think what what she was doing i i think i agree with that uh, i will make it known there that uh i i certainly don't condone his behavior and it, you know no matter what she's doing or saying like shouldn't have happened and no. yeah leave it at that but i i, I do as far as the movie goes what was happening in the movie i found it kind of interesting how he he was so sh- certain of one thing and then it just completely, as you said, backfired in his face. Well, I think each character had their own background and own moral. So mm-hmm. our Wall Street guy, Barry, yep, Barry, was just what he wanted is what he wanted. He went after it, but he had his yeah. own thing. Philip Seymour Hoffman seemed like he came from money, so he didn't have much confidence because everything just kind of landed in his lap, but mm-hmm. he didn't have as much game or no and. and no, I don't want to be insulting, but definitely didn't have the appearance that most women would go after. Uh, he, yeah, he's not. He's no Barry Pepper. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like his self-control just cracked when she was flirted with him a little bit. For instance, like Monty, when he was talking to Naturel, mm-hmm. that he asked her her age, and she's like, I'm 18, they chatted for a minute. Would it matter if I was 17? Well, this conversation would be a lot shorter. It was just like, boom, That's done. True. Like, yeah. I know... If you're not 18, this conversation's done. I'll talk to you in seven months kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, like, right. he I, was disciplined. Def, that's that I, that I think is the key word. He's disciplined. I think they all have very similar uh, like uh, senses of morality. But mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman, I get what is his character's name? Uh, Jacob it, it does not have the same sort of discipline. Otherwise, he wouldn't have found himself in that bathroom. Yeah, that I believe he had morality. I think it's just his disciplined failed <laughs> discipline failed hormones got the better of him uh yeah he he misunderstood the situation which well i can get how you can misunderstand that but right. the funny thing is he was asleep in the club and then all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. he's awake he was out <laughs> i don't know how you're i mean i know he wasn't on the dance floor but it was it was not quiet where he was uh, how do you fall asleep well, like that he said that like after two i'm done 
That's right. So he yeah, was yeah. a lightweight. Yeah. And I've I've fallen asleep in clubs after having too much to drink, but mm-hmm. it's it's kind of hard the, the way he was out, like the fact that she got was able to mount him without him even stirring. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That he, oh, he was man. he was done. But enough but, about jailbait. <laughs> yeah. No, it was an interesting scene. It, it like I said, it was like a third in the movie. And yeah, you can I it, you you can see all you need to know from that dolly shot of him being pulled out of the bathroom. It's just like in his eyes, like Oh, damn it. <laughs> what did I oh, do? Oh, yeah. And when he tells his buddy, Barry, like, can we go? Nope. And he's just like, I need to go. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, he just wanted to run from that as much as he could. Yeah. It, it was rough. But it, uh, it's one of the reasons why I think it really makes for a, a good movie. Um, it's because there's there's no there's no good person in this film. I mean, naturally, you could say she didn't really do anything. You find out that she didn't sell uh, sell out Monty. Yeah. But like everybody, everybody in this film is flawed like crazy. There's no good person here. Well, no, it's just like life. Everybody has some form of flaw, whether it's more menacing to others than some. There's always no, nobody's perfect. Right. And the minute we all accept that, the happier we can be. And it doesn't mean we can't strive for improvements. It just means you can actually be content when you know that you don't always succeed. And if it was just it was an interesting movie and we're not done it was i just want to say it was interesting period just mm-hmm. even in the middle here yeah 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 absolutely and when we get to the end i do have a perspective that i thought of however it was going to play out okay but i want to cover some other stuff first and so i actually did want to ask you something okay this movie was definitely a product of its time yes they address they kind of acknowledge the memorial site that was being built for 9 11 mm-hmm. they addressed a lot of things there but that one scene where edward norton is talking to himself in the mirror uh-huh. and there's so much hate being spewed out of his mouth on so many different fronts yeah have you ever encountered that in real life just somebody that vile in that moment at least me personally i don't know if i've ever encountered somebody like that i tried to do my best not to hang around these sorts of types um, but I'm sure they exist. Uh, I found that, I found that scene really interesting. He was at his father's bar, I think. And, yeah. uh, went into the bathroom and there's this big mirror up there and it has like, fuck you written in the bottom right corner. Um, and then they do this just really kind of simple, actually camera trick. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a visual effects trick where they just composite two, two takes on the same screen. Um, mm-hmm. so he, he's talking to himself in the mirror or his mirror's talking back to himself. And, is just like at that like he sees that fuck you and he's like you know what no fuck everybody else in the world and just throwing out every slur for every race imaginable and just every like privileged person every every black person every white guy every italian person just like it's it's a tough scene to watch if you're not if that doesn't really is if that's not something you want to see it's going to be a tough moment because it goes on for a long time uh i think excuse me on the one hand i understand where he's coming from i don't agree with the racism Mm -hmm. but i understand his frustration and his his feeling of like uh, a complete helplessness where he's just like up until that point it looks like he'd just been bottling every concern and fear in just to let you know natural and his father know that like uh, i'll be okay yeah but at that moment, it's just like unleashing. He's letting it all out, all of that fear and all that anger at everybody else. And I found it interesting that until the end of that long rant he had, it was, everything bad that happened in his life 
was somebody else's fault. It was never like until the very end when he actually said, no, fuck you. You're actually the problem. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, his mirror self was saying, fuck everybody else. It's everybody else's fault. All my problems are because of somebody else. I don't want to take responsibility for anything I've done. I thought that was fascinating to see. And I'm glad that he came around by the end of it and said, nope, this is all we made this. We need to, you know, we made this bed. We need to sleep in it now. It's not everybody else's fault, despite what you, mere Monty, are saying. I'm glad he said that because at that point I was thinking, screw this guy. This guy gets like, like caught, pinched for, for selling drugs and money. Like Mm -hmm. everything, everything is his fault. It's not, you know, it's not the old ladies from the penthouses. It's not, you know, the black people playing basketball. It's not the the Italians going like, hey, meatballs or whatever. It's it's totally his fault. <laughs> and I'm glad they had that. It's, it's a fascinating scene just to watch somebody uh, just like let out such fear and frustration, but then come around and realize that for the most part, our problems are self-made. Mm-hmm. Well, there so, was um, yeah. two scenes where he let out his fear. That yeah. was definitely one of them. And leave it to you to take such a, and this is a good thing, a negative, hateful, vile scene and make me laugh because you say it in such a <laughs> dorky, endearing way. So uh, dorky and endearing. That. That's, that should be, <laughs> that'll be my, my nickname. And just to linger on that scene for one moment that uh-huh. that scene, I was happy in the end, as you said, that he took responsibility. Yeah. But for the whole time that it was happening, I was thinking wow we've come so long that we're a lot more pc now and so all that was like hitting me and i was just like i don't know if i agree with that i i don't know if i agree with that i want to i want to hear more of your point but i i gotta butt in here like i think people aren't uh i don't know they for the most part i think we've gotten better about it you don't hear a lot of people just like flinging out those slurs but I think racism, racism is still around. Racism is still a thing. You'll see it everywhere. You're seeing it recently, especially uh, this year in 2020. It, it's just, I think from, I, I think racists have gotten maybe shamed into hiding it more. Well, not now. They're more emboldened now. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it, it's, it's certainly swung the other way. I think that's a problem. Um, yeah, I think things have gotten a little bit more PC overall but so, yeah so when like no, when that, i was saying those that, feelings don't haven't gone away i'm sorry go ahead oh no i i 100 know that that yeah, yeah even when you said that like it hasn't gone away like literally my blood started to curl because i'm like i fucking know that for a fact i know yeah. <laughs> like, yeah yeah so that um when i was saying it's more pc not uh, that it's gone away we i told you i think i told you that nicole and i went to go get doggy cupcakes for the dog yeah. And we went to Fashion Island. Oh, I okay. like to call it Fashion Island. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. And so I had to tell her, just pay attention as we walk through the crowd, everybody looking in my direction. So I know that way too well. It hasn't gone away. But for me, the fact that I haven't heard these things as much, mm-hmm. we've made some progress, not enough by all means. Yeah. Because like back in the 90s and early 2000s, hearing all that stuff, it made me feel like I was back in New York and it just didn't phase me. But now it's just like, wow, this is hitting me, but it's reminding me of a time where I was happy in a different place and it didn't phase me back then. So right. I think we've made improvements where a lot more people are trying to be PC, but there's definitely the ones, unfortunately, now who are happier to let their ugly flags show and be vile and vicious to people. Right. So it's kind of just... Do you think it's a matter of people are trying to be more PC or is it... 
like people are learning and are working on being anti-racist. And also there are people who are feeling more emboldened to be racist. I, I don't know if it's, oh, it's I, a necessarily a matter of like, I, I, I shouldn't say those words because it's not allowed. I think it's more of a matter of like the people who aren't saying those words are not saying them because they know it's wrong. I think that may be why you're not hearing it as, as often. Yeah. I would hope it that cause like the PC thing, I you hear a lot of older people go like, Oh, this politically correct crap. I can't say anything anymore. It's just like, yeah, they're racist. I feel like the, they're racist who feel like they, they have to be polite. I feel like both are true where, well, definitely people are more emboldened and we uh-huh. can have a whole year of podcasts for that subject. <laughs> if we wanted to touch it, uh-huh. orange Cheeto moving on. Yeah that um i think that a lot of people are not saying it because they're learning that it's wrong and there are a lot of people who are like oh i'm not supposed to so i don't want to get yelled at and both is progress one's better than yeah. the other you know what yeah i'd agree with that yeah mm-hmm. i i i, I, I i'll take either people, one yeah i me too i think maybe people not saying that because they under they feel they understand it's not pc anymore that for a person like that is a good first step toward becoming yeah. toward knowing that it's wrong because like let's say an older like a grandpa for instance uh-huh. oh i can explain this from our recording for the room because i had mentioned i have to send you guys a picture of a certain beard i'm like skip the phrasing <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> so i've i left i have to tell iman this my grandpa called it a terrorist beard because this was back around 9-11. So he made the joke of like, how did you get on the plane? Because my beard was just so thick and long and super racist comment he made. Yeah. And so I always associate that picture with that because it cracked me up because he's this old frail man who said something so nasty, but it's just coming out of him was funny, but so wrong. Right. Yeah. That's so, just um, a, a lack of awareness there. It sounds like. Exactly. And so I definitely want to clarify with both of you. He's the one that made that joke and that's why oh, it cracks yeah. up with me. But um, let's say somebody like him d- stops saying something like that because he was told it's wrong. And so he's being PC. Mm-hmm. Even if he never learns why it's wrong, the fact that he's not doing it in front of other generations means those will learn naturally what's right because yeah. they're not being tainted by the old ways. That's 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 good. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't teach anybody to if you don't teach somebody to hate, how will they know how to hate, I guess? Well, yeah, it's just like when people say racism isn't born, it's learned like mm-hmm. I've there's so many social media platforms. I've seen this video where there is a song. I forget what it is. And they're like, the caption is like, I've missed you friend. And it's two babies, like toddlers running towards each other. One white, one black. Me, though, and yeah. they just hug the crap out of each other. I was just like, uh-huh. they it's, don't it's see very it. very heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, no, they're, they're just, they're, they're two, two toddlers. They're like, Hey mm-hmm. friend, let's hug. Exactly. Which, you know what? We run on this tangent. I will continue it just for one more moment. No, it, I love it brings that, me back. It's a good conversation. It, it, it is that I love that. And it makes me trigger that whenever I would talk to older people when I was younger or even now, they always go, well, music sucks now. Music was better in my time. Things are better in my time. And you always go like, well, they just feel more comfortable because that's what they were used to. That's something that they were fond of and felt secure. So they just are missing that time. I think this year is one of the times we can actually say that where last year was better than this year. 
Oh, definitely. Like legitimately. Yeah. 2009. I mean, everybody was upset with 2019. I recall that like, bye 2019. Hello 2020. But then, you know, and then they're like, happened. whoops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our, our, you know, we got uh, a so I think this is one of those few times where somebody says, I miss the olden days where it can actually be true with an unbiased perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and one last thing for the time warp. Uh-huh. Have you seen that image of the Airbnb that's in the last blockbuster around? I did. Dude, I saw that. Okay, I saw that. And I was like, damn, I wish I lived in Portland or Oregon or wherever it is. Because mm-hmm. I, I would do that. That sounds awesome. Other than the fact that COVID makes me not want to share rooms right now with people who have you Well, not share rooms, but use a room that's been used by the public before. Sure, sure. I would so fly over there just to like right. jump back into my childhood just for like one night. Oh my gosh. That because even the, yeah. the pull out couch with the sheets uh-huh. was pure nineties. A hundred percent. They had that like old, like CRT television up in the background mm-hmm. encased in like this giant entertainment console thing, uh, <laughs> which and, uh, entertainment consoles are kind of a thing of the past. Cause yeah. we have flat screens that go on the wall, so we don't need that. But <laughs> I remember having to, turn the tv and wedge myself into the console to get back there to plug in the right? n64 yeah oh man god that's that was a good time. and then back dropping when... the tube tv on my leg and getting stuck oof <laughs> this got like 127 hours thing going on there <laughs> well, well, well fortunately my desire to play mario kart was strong so i was able to lift it yeah yeah that's what that's what james franco was missing in that movie he needed some he needed a nintendo switch just out of reach <laughs> oh man but i think this movie touched on a lot of things it really did yeah touched on racism touched on pedophilia touched on uh, uh consequences for actions touched on there's a mafia angle to it there's a lot touched on also like a, a father's like unconditional love for their child because that last oh, yeah, that's- bit I would love to talk about that. Yeah, you know what? Let's talk about that that after that I'll go to my last note uh-huh. and then my what I thought the movie was going to do rather than what it did. Uh-huh. But let's talk about the father. Cause I fucking loved him. And Brian Cox is like, if he's in a movie, you know, it's going to be amazing. It's he's just really good. And I love him in this role, uh, as what James Brogan, who Monty's mm-hmm. father, uh, who like is running this bar does. Okay. Doesn't do great in some, you know, without Monty's help would have done really, really poorly. Oh yeah. And that's, part of the reason why uh Monty is is going to jail is because you know he he had to do he he said he had to do all those uh, illegal things to help his father oh that's that's mm. another conversation whatever but i i love probably not as much as he did he, yeah i he could have gotten another job i don't know uh, wh- whatever uh he you know james like insisted on driving Monty up to the prison to you know cuz it's his son he wants to be there for him he he understands mm-hmm. that this terrible thing happened and that maybe in some ways it might've been his fault. He like, I don't know, not his fault, but he was a part of it. And as they were driving up, he's like, just to, you know, let me know. We'll take, we'll take this exit. We'll, we'll just keep going. And then there's this long interlude where it kind of makes you think the movie makes you think, did they just skip out on going to the jail? Does, does Monty mm-hmm. have this new life now somewhere in like, I don't know oklahoma as or something james yeah yeah as james which i thought that was a that was a really uh nice touch kind of choked me up a little bit <laughs> mm-hmm. i i love like to to what extraordinary lengths this father was willing to go to prevent his son from 
uh, having to face any sort of pain or or fear or just having to go to jail like that for seven years. It, it was it, it wouldn't have been strictly the right thing to do, but it was uh, I think a caring and loving thing to do. It was a gray line because a gray area mm-hmm. that the kid had done awful things and he needed to pay pay his dues, mm-hmm. deal with the consequences. But as a father, he w- definitely didn't want to see his son go through what he was going to have to endure in prison. Yeah. So one, when the, he, Monty was like, what about your bar? You kidding me? I don't care about the bar. I care about you. Like, we'll <laughs> just drop everything and go. Like, that was impressive that I can understand why he felt guilty. Like, yes, the son probably did some illegal things to help him get back on his feet. And as he even mentioned to his friend, he could have stopped sooner and just invested the money. Oh, yeah. But the father has to take, like, when it's your kid, you're going to take the blame no matter what it is going. If I had this, if I had been well off, mm-hmm. he never would have been in that situation. I could have helped him avoid this. Like, you could, you're always going to try to think, what could I have done to help avoid this period? Yeah. So it was just a beautiful scene. And I honestly, for a moment there, because I got lost in the scene, thought we were having an inception moment because I thought he (laughs) did take off. And then when he was asleep in the car, I'm like, is this just like him asleep and his dad's driving him to this thing? And we got a glimpse of his future or is, was that just a, oh, that's what I could have done, but I'm still going to prison. Damn it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It may have been more the second one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel it was the second one, which kind of bummed me out. But they did that kind of often where they showed one thing but had something else happening. Like right. when um, Naturel left the couch to go take a bath uh-huh. and you hear them talking and he's just touching the couch and, look, touching the couch and looking at it. Mm-hmm. It was like he was remembering a flashback alone on that couch. And that was a beautiful moment with the sound right there. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. The sound design in this one was incredible. I loved it. Oh, we have one more moment of amazing sound, but we'll get there because I know we're on the end part of the movie at the moment. Mm -hmm. I I thought Brian Cox's character was fantastic he wasn't in a lot of the movie um because it, it was it was monty's story it was edward norton's story really mm-hmm. um but whenever he was on i'd like all i could do was just like look right at him because he's such this magnetic like personality and acts so well and you can watching this it's so easy to feel the love he has for his son and it's like this man's willing to to break the law to 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 harbor a fugitive to to do something so illegal himself that it could get him in such huge trouble but he's willing to do that because of it because it's his son i'm like oh that's that that hits you deep down really really cuts you deep it it definitely cuts deep that it it shows his acting skills definitely Mm -hmm. because the first time i encountered this actor was as William Stryker. I think it was, I think that was the same for me. <laughs> and so every time I've seen him, I've always been like, you bastard. Right. Yeah. And then this time I was just like, damn, you're like, you bastard. <sighs> Wipe those tears away. Mm-hmm. Speaking of tears, I want to reference the other sound moment. Yeah. Where he tricks his friend into beating him up. Like he asks him and then he doesn't want to do it, but yeah. then does something to force his friend to take him down. Yeah. Yeah. That was and that was rough. The, Poor Barry Pepper, man. Oh. Well, yeah, that scene where he's essentially punching the camera and crying into it was uh, an impressive angle. And then when they're all separated on the ground and it's just silence except for nature and occasional dog barks seep through the 
it sounded like they were in a cone of silence and certain things were just seeping through gradually as they were being brought back to reality but it's like they all broke yeah and do you think it was that that. or do you think it was like i I think you're probably right but just as like a possible other other like production reason do you think it was your since you're getting punched from the perspective of edward norton from monty do you think that that like sound like muting out was just i don't know his ears filling with blood or something (laughs) so pretty much us hearing things as monty yeah 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 i think it could definitely be that 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 would make sense because when you get punched in the head Uh enough or hit with a bat yeah it does kind of do that that does that like where you can't hear for a minute there it's, it's, it's with a bad fun where how do you know this so well have you been hitting the head a few times are you doing the hitting are you like are you like these these uh ukrainian gangsters in this film steve i'm not like the ukrainian gangsters oh, okay <laughs> as i said that <laughs> being hearing all those racial racial slurs brought me back to when i the time i used to spend in new york so oh okay yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely been fun, but um, well, I think they could have been going for that as his perspective, which would fit yeah. perfectly. Uh-huh. The reason I thought it was just kind of everybody's was because there were times where we were seeing different characters in that scene. Yeah. And I feel like if it was just Monty's, they would have heard everything clearly. But when we go back to him, it would be like mm-hmm. mute and would it really amplify it to show like they're fine, but he's not. So if it was intentional, then they missed that opportunity. If it wasn't, then it definitely fits for everything just stopped because our friendship is being broken right now. And this is our last moment together. I think that was probably it. Uh, Spike Lee knows what he's doing. Uh, So the intentional part of this was the right part of this. Um, As a quick aside, we should have you ever seen Layer Cake with Daniel Craig? Oh, yeah. Love that. There was that moment in in that movie where uh, some guy was getting beaten up in the middle of a diner. And they do the same sort of similar uh, audio tricks there where, mm. you know, you're you're in the perspective of the guy getting beat up and sound mutes out. It gets all wonky, but then you get out of it and sound kicks up again. It's a really good it's a really good bit, but it's not part of this discussion. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I, I loved that bit of sound design because it, it really uh, it, it took like this horrible moment and just like they were blocking out the rest of the world. And it was all about just what happened right there in that tunnel. Like the rest of the world didn't exist. It was just this traumatic, like horrifying scene between friends who were like, who cared so much about each other, but also were being forced to do something they didn't want to do. Yeah. That it kind of reminded me of around the end of the first John Wick. Oh, yeah. Where the, I forget her name actress or character but she broke the rules of the continental mm-hmm. and she's surrounded in that gaze- gaze- under bridge gazebo whatever it was right yeah yeah but it kind of just oh. felt like it's raining everywhere and all of a sudden that area there and everything stops and uh-huh. they go poof, take her out and then clean yeah. her up as if nothing happened and all of a sudden things go back to normal within 30 seconds it kind of uh-huh. just felt like that where we just shut down everything outside of this room yes yeah 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 it, very much so yeah that's another good example but it God, it was rough I, I i i see where monty was coming from and i know why uh what was his name i keep saying barry pepper but uh uh frank uh was coming from like he who wants to do that to their best friend and mm-hmm. like just seeing the 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 anguish on his face as he because was he doing really that had after to, he did that well there's probably multiple reasons one who wants to do that to their best friend two he had to really like beat him it wasn't just like he only give you black eyes you don't control for being out last night no Monty's like half of his face was just like shut up and swollen Mm -hmm. and then the other part is he knows the reason why he has to do it that this 
it's better than what it could possibly happen when he goes in. So the fact that he has to get beaten up to yeah. have a better chance to survive is just horrifying. Cause like, this is what I have to do to try to keep you safe. Cause what you're going to is much worse than me beating your face in. Yes. Yeah. 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 God I hate to be put in that situation. I, I don't know what mm-hmm. I would do. I, I guess, I mean, and, and Monty like really pushed him. He really upset him because that was the only way it was going to get beaten up. But I, I don't know. I would hate to have been to, to, to have to make that choice. I don't think I, I could have. I, I would have been Philip Seymour Hoffman there just saying, come on, guys, stop. Mm-hmm. Well, that that movie definitely surprised me, mm-hmm. especially and even that moment that I honestly thought up until around the end that all this was him scheming and going, all these people fuck me over. So I'm going to pretend like I'm going. And this whole time I'm setting them up so the cops can take them and I can be off scot-free. I thought he was setting everybody up the entire time because bringing the jailbreak student into the club, here's a pedophile charge to screw over the person who screwed me over. Uh, Bringing your stockbroker friend who has a a thing for your girl, putting her in the sexy silver dress. I'm going to get him mad, get him drunk and get him arrested for a fight. Hmm. I just thought he was setting everybody else up for letting not having his back, but which was not the case. But at first I thought this was a massive game that was going to be like him on the beach, sipping pina coladas going, fuck you guys all over. <laughs> kind of, I'm kind out. of like end of, end of Shawshank redemption. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I honestly thought it was going in that direction for a minute there. Yeah. So I, I, I could, I could see how that was going because you know, he, for a long time, for most of the movie, he thought it was Naturel who did it to him. So I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I could see, I, I can see how, how it would suggest that. Um, but then, but then, I mean, clearly it didn't turn out that way. And uh, seeing like, just as he was about to, to leave uh, their apartment and his father was going to drive him out, like seeing him just, I don't know. He, he seemed so like small and afraid in that moment. And it, he, it was he, really, he I, I, I felt so sad for him and uh, like, I'm at that point. I'm like, damn, I know he did terrible stuff, but uh, look how sad he is. Uh, he, he knows he did something wrong. And he even says like, I, what's going to happen to me? Like, I can't, I can't go back after I get out. I can't go back to doing what I was doing because they'll put me mm-hmm. away for life. So I, yeah. I understand that this is wrong and I'll never do it again, but I, you know, you still got to face the consequences of your actions. And it's just it, it, painful to see him realize that. So it was painful to see his character go through that. Mm-hmm. Would you say this movie was painful to watch? That's an and not in the point. negative way, right? Right. But, right. Uh, well, it was. It was definitely a lot of it. Not a lot of it. Some parts of it were were tough to watch, like him screaming at himself in the mirror, and 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 Philip Seymour Hoffman's entire storyline. Um, that, that made me cringe. <laughs> they there were some tough bits, uh, but I think it's. It's a great sounding movie. It's a it's a really beautiful movie. Like it, it's got this grittiness to it. It's got this this like realness to to it. It's got this real like tactile, tangible feeling to it. Where you know, I I've never been to New York, but I could easily imagine exactly what New York at that time really looked and felt like. And I think it was exactly what you see in this movie. I mean, I might be wrong. I don't know. New Yorkers who were alive during that time and in that city during that time and there at that time could say i'm wrong but i the way this movie was was filmed is just it looked amazing and sounded amazing it was tough to watch but it was great to watch every time i've seen this movie i finish it thinking 
I'm so happy I watched it because it was such a good movie. Um, I'm a little disappointed that I just rented it. I kind of wish I had bought it. <laughs> I, I have to say the same thing that I wish I, I wouldn't have regretted buying it. Yeah. That fortunately it's still on the list so I can add it later. Mm. As for the New York in that time, as you said before, Spike Lee does not make mistakes. Uh, yeah. I and know he knows what he's also, doing. Also, yeah, that's pretty accurate to how it felt over there at yeah. that time. So I can double agree with that. All right. So I it, it was good. It was a really beautiful film. I really like Spike Lee's movies around that time, like early to mid 2000s. Um, you see it a little bit with the, our previous episode of uh, Inside Man. It's just got mm-hmm. this, like the, the the film grain he he has, just like the the look of the film. It really feels like you could reach out and touch the touch the film. It, it just feels so uh, present and and there. It does. It's, it's it, really it definitely good. does. So, what do you think? So you mean like watch by rent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would, this is what I would say. It's a must watch for, I'd probably say everybody because it's not too, it's not overly sexual or overly bloody. No. So I think anybody can watch it. Obviously, be careful when you have your, if you're going to, make sure your kids are old enough. That's a given. (laughs) But Uh as for watch, buy, or rent, it's a must watch. Uh If you watch the trailer, you will know whether or not it is a buy or rent for you after listening to us, of course. Because sure, sure. both of us, were, we rented it after watching the trailer, and now we wish we had bought it. But yeah. now after you've had this thorough explanation of everything, which I'm sure there's even more layers that we've missed, mm-hmm. you'll know if you want to buy it or rent it. So definitely give it a watch. As always, we want to thank everybody for listening. We hope you enjoyed hearing this episode as much as we enjoyed watching the movie and talking about it. Make sure to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever a person can leave a review. It really does help us out and we love it. Appreciate you guys. Message us on Instagram or Twitter. We will do our best to respond and considering what's going on, we want to be there for you. So hit us up. I'm Stephen Reyes with my amazing co-host, Sean Anderson. And this is More Movies. Please. Please. Shit. (laughs) 